Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Never doubt six. Never doubt. Never doubt. Never. Um, you know, people took it as me personally attacking Hugh. That's that's not it. It's the fact that I get to have my own opinion on how it transpired, and he gets to do what he wants. That's how it is. Although I'm an athlete, I'm not a cookie cutter quarter, cookie cutter quarterback. Never have been. Never will be. Um, I speak my mind. That's just how I am. So I didn't like the move, and people don't have to care. I mean, I'm not looking for anybody's approval. Uh, I don't regret any of it. You know, it's about this team and what we have, and we have to stick together and play together. Talking Cleveland Browns football with the best fans in all of SB Nation. You're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature. Now, here's your host with the most, my dad, Thelonious Seven. There was a team in Cleveland who lost 31 of 32 with a bridge QB who seemed to lead to nowhere. But even through the fog and haze, he walked upon that broken stage and left the city Cuyahoga dreaming. Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. At the top of this episode, you heard the words of Baker Mayfield doing his best to kind of answer the media questions that have been surrounding him concerning his treatment of Hugh Jackson after the 35 to 20 victory Sunday afternoon in Cincinnati. Baker Mayfield has been surrounded in controversy. This isn't the first time in his career this kind of stuff has happened to him. But I feel that in Cleveland, as it's his first time having some kind of negative press kind of put in his direction I feel like in Cleveland we need to have a little bit of clarity especially uh, as we look at him and his role in Cleveland moving forward Uh, for those of you who don't know my name is Thelonious Seven and you are listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature it is very good to be with my Dogs by Nature family today And I'm really excited to talk about Baker Mayfield. And, you know, last show, I talked a little bit about realms, the realms in which football competition takes place. Talked about the player realm. I talked about the coaching realm. 
And I've referenced before in this show how interesting I felt Freddie Kitchen's perspective was on this issue. He did an interview uh, in the preseason before he was actually the offensive coordinator of his team. And he made a really interesting point kind of off the cuff talking about the role of the media and the role of players in this kind of a realm discussion. And it's interesting to get his perspective. And I wanted to take a second to listen to this clip and then reflect on it for a bit as we talk about Baker Mayfield. Uh, media chases controversy and players chase stats, all right? And both of them equal the same thing, and it equals money. Yeah, Freddie Kitchen talking about the media chasing controversy is exactly what I want to talk about today. Definitely, I want to talk about the way that, in some way, there's a controversy here because Baker Mayfield is not really staying in his lane, not staying in his realm as a player. He's sitting there as a player and criticizing the coaches who made decisions for him in the game. And as a Cleveland Browns fan, just as a fan of football in general, you got to understand where he's coming from. I mean, we sat and watched this guy go 336-1 over the last two and a half years. We saw how his decisions directly affected the record that the team had. A coach like Sean McDermott, you know, a coach like well, Malarkey, anybody could have come in and gotten one or two wins with the roster, the talent they had here. But it seemed like, in, for some reason, in some way, Coach Jackson underperformed. I mean, on paper, it looks like he underperformed. It's obviously the record shows he underperformed. And in the end, a player sitting there and talking about a coach. I think this is a problem for people. I think it's a problem for people. And I think that's where the controversy really comes in in this situation. But I guess I want to talk a little bit about what my role is in this situation because it's kind of an odd position. But this situation really does tease out some really confusing aspects of what happens in sports media and the media in general. Now, I don't really think that my role is is uh, something that's really clear in some way. So maybe I'll try to say something to you about it. Maybe talk about my lane. We had some discussions about this question before. And certainly for me, I don't really see myself as a member of the media. I mean, I don't see myself as doing what Fred Kid, Freddie Kitchens is talking about the media doing there, chasing controversy. For me, controversy is not so important. I really care more about what the truth is of a matter, and I want to understand something at its fundamental level. That's what I'm really after when I'm sitting here making the shows and kind of going through these, these, these situations. I don't care about the controversy. I don't care about getting people to listen to it because um, it's something that's like so off the wall, what I'm saying. I'm not trying to make clickbait. And in the end, I feel like what I'm trying to do is some kind of a guerrilla media. And it's not really guerrilla media in some way because you are hearing commercials when you hear this stuff. But as far as my perspective is concerned, I'm first and foremost a Browns fan. I'm a Browns fan first. And if I never made another show, I'd still have food on my table. We would still be eating. It'd be totally fine for me. So my interest is not in getting people to listen to what I'm trying to say. My interest is in understanding what the truth is about the matter of a situation. And that's what I want to talk about today here on the show. 
So, like I said again, a lot of the media kind of latched on to what Baker Mayfield did on this handshake situation, recapping the moment as it, as it happened. At the end of the game, you could see there's a, a picture. It's actually cool because the, the network media captured this moment as it went down. Hugh Jackson ran on the field, ran directly to Baker Mayfield to go congratulate that guy. You could see Mayfield felt that guy coming. He felt, felt him coming from a wild way. And when he came over, Baker Mayfield shook his hand. Uh, he got a, maybe like a slap on the helmet, but you could see by his body language, by everything that was going on in the, in the image, you could see Mayfield had one, really no part to do with the interaction. And later on, he was asked about it. And he spoke honestly about his feeling in the situation. He told his opinion about having to play against a person that coached him that year and playing now on, a, you know, playing in the, on the field against him and how hard it was for him as a player to deal with that situation. And, and flat out, him sitting there and answering this question directly is really what I think media is looking for responses to be like. You have guys like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick giving press conferences saying literally nothing. And they say nothing because when they say anything, when you, when you open your mouth and give your real feelings about something, you're definitely going to have media jumping all over it, spinning it, and finding the controversy in what you're saying and then trying to blow that stuff up to get clicks. That's really what media wants to do in the spot. Media wants to be kind of a vulture, you know, taking their attention, taking your attention and getting you to focus on aspects which they think are important for whatever reason. Sometimes for an agenda, sometimes it's something they contrive. But in some ways, that's what media does when you give them direct and honest answers. When you let people inside. You tell people what you really think. And at the beginning of this show, you see what Baker Mayfield's response to this stuff is. He's going to tell you what he really thinks. He's going to tell you his real feelings on the situation. He's not going to shy away from it. That's not who he is. And quite frankly, the media shouldn't want him to shy away from it. The media should want to hear what he says about this kind of stuff. And if every time he opens his mouth to say his, to say his real opinion... The response is what Damian Woody says. The response is something crazy like this. Then Baker Mayfield probably should never speak again to the media. And that's a really, that's a shame in a way. I really like the idea of players being able to speak their mind. But if this is a response of the controversy-driven media, guess is what you're going to have. One of the things that struck me about some of this narrative was that it's all so dishonest. It's so dishonest to me. And I, you know, it's just my opinion about it or my take on it. But when I listened to what Damian Woody said, when I listened to his words, when I parsed what he said, to me, I I feel like it's it's spoken in a certain type of agenda. Like he he really wants to get coaches back in the spot and maybe it's this way because he's kind of protecting the order the order the way of things that players don't really go after coaches in the media they just it's just not done true or untrue i mean everybody in cleveland who watched this understands what he's talking about they get it they get they get his frustration we're frustrated too we see it he's actually speaking our frustration for us in this moment i appreciate the honesty and in the end 
This is the kind of thing that draws people to Baker Mayfield's causes. People get on board with this guy because he is direct and honest. No matter what you think, you're going to get it from him. It's truth. It's up front. That's the kind of guy that guy is. And that's why people rally around him. In any case, in any case. Definitely a difficult situation with the way that the media construes some of the things that he said. So one of the pieces that really um, kind of crystallized a lot of the opinion that I'd seen was an article written in a piece called The Undisputed. It's an ESPN piece. And there's an article uh, in a section called Locker Room Talk where William C. Roden, uh, who's kind of a, an interesting voice in uh, the civil rights movement, this guy gets in. And he gives his opinion on this situation. He basically looks at the reaction of Damian Woody, parses it, and then says that Baker Mayfield's reaction to Hugh Jackson was both disrespectful and hypocritical. And we got to break into both of those things, break it down really quick, what he means by both these things. But what really strikes me is this, this notion that he starts this article off where he says, who does Baker Mayfield thinks he is? Like I said, that's that's this notion that Baker Mayfield is out of line. He's not respecting the order. He's speaking out against coaches. Who does he think he is? But it's not just that he's getting out of line in one respect with respect to the order of things. William C. Roden also implies that Baker Mayfield is a closet racist or some t- or his actions are in some manner in some way racist. And and when when I read things like this, this is one of the things that bugs me a, a lot about sports media. This situation is the Baker Mayfield is absolutely not being racist here. Not at all. He is not at all referring to race. I mean, there is definitely a racial element involved in the story, so I'm not going to try to downplay the fact that this is a Caucasian white quarterback speaking about a black court, a black coach. I get that this is in some ways. I see the point. I see why somebody might bring this up, but in my opinion, this is not about race at all. He never references his race at all, and it's all about performance. You don't get this. You don't get this vibe from him at all that it's something. It's just about football for him. It's about what happens on the field, about loyalties. It's about how hard it is for a player to go from playing for a coach to going against another coach. That's honestly an incredibly awkward situation, and he's honestly saying how he feels about it. That's not an issue of disrespect, in my opinion. It's an issue of somebody saying, hey, look, I got a conflict here, and I'm letting you know about it. But in some ways, like I said... The, the message is, the media says, oh yeah, it's been disrespectful and hypocritical as well. But to me, like I said, the disrespectful piece was was interesting. But I, I actually wanted to read some of the William C. Roden article as I respond to it. In the end, um, <laughs> it's, it's funny how we, he gets to the part about the, the uh, hypocritical aspect of it. He's like, Nine games into his NFL career, William C. Roden writes, Cleveland's rookie is making pronouncements about loyalty. 
downtrodden Browns fans might call this giving their team an edge. I called it entitled disrespect and hypocrisy. Entitled disrespect. Mayfield played Texas Tech where he had an outstanding first season, but afterward, he decided he needed a larger stage, so he left for Oklahoma. So I read those words, and as I read someone saying something like this, that he had an outstanding first season, but afterward, he decided he needed a larger stage, so he left for Oklahoma. He wasn't kicked off the team, was a runoff. Mayfield left. Texas Tech citing a citing a miscommunication with the staff. Yeah, that's not exactly what happened. And to to sit there and con, to construe that he's a hypocrite because he left Texas Tech to go to Oklahoma. That's what you just you just have some narrative. You want to say that something's like this, so you're going to make whatever argument you can. And this is a terrible argument here. Baker Mayfield was a walk-on at Texas Tech. Baker Mayfield was also a walk-on at Oklahoma. He didn't have a scholarship. He was the quarterback for the team at at Texas Tech, and they didn't offer him a a scholarship. He was in line for a lot of competition. Davis Webb was there. Patrick Mahomes also there. He made a business decision, but he made that decision because there was no scholarship for him. There was no place for him to play there. And he chose to leave. And that's not the same thing as what happened with Hugh Jackson. And it's not the same thing that happened there. At the same time, there is a bit of relevance to it because obviously for Texas Tech's fan, there are there is that same level of vitriol. It's tough for them. But why is Texas Tech why I don't understand really where it really comes from in a way because Texas Tech did have Patrick Mahomes to ease their pain a bit, right? I'm sure Baker Mayfield would have liked to have been the man at Texas Tech, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Baker Mayfield, if he doesn't make a decision like this, you maybe never hear from this guy ever again. This isn't the kind of decision where it's... I think what he did was ballsy and gutsy. I don't think what Hugh Jackson did by going to Cincinnati was ballsy and gutsy in any way, shape, or form. Not the same thing at all. Baker Mayfield walked on to Oklahoma he walked off with no hope of a scholarship Hugh Jackson has a friend in 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 Cincinnati who let him coach with him that's a totally completely different scenario it's not even close to the same situation sitting there and saying oh this is the same how could he say that because he did this no not even close not even close Additionally, he goes on to talk about, I'm sorry, I'm talking about the Rose article again. He goes on to talk about Damian Woody and how um, he begins to, uh, how Woody um, talks to him and Mayfield responds to this is that it's not even comparable. And then he says on the record uh, in Hugh, uh, in, for Hugh Jackson in Cleveland, he said that he didn't lose 30 plus gains. He wasn't fake. And then he didn't do what Hugh Jackson did in leaving. That's how Baker Mayfield responded to that criticism given by Damian Woody. Sorry if that's a bit confusing there. But in some ways he said that he didn't lose 30 games and he wasn't fake and he didn't do that. And to be honest, to call Hugh Jackson fake in this context is about the most honest thing that any player will ever do. That statement 
In the end, he's not really going to elucidate, give you more information or background as to why he calls him fake. But you've seen what he's done. You've seen how he's earned the name Wormtongue before Baker Mayfield even got there. And I can tell you right now, you saw what he did on Hard Knocks. You can see, you can see this guy. You can see a player giving his honest take on this. I appreciate that honesty. It's really funny the way that this article continues to go on. And I, I, I'd urge people to go and read it. In the end, it starts to get into, like, as soon as he gets after this, this point of calling him out of line, all that stuff, he starts to go into this racial element of the story. Talking about how Baker Mayfield was just a kid when Hugh Jackson climbed the NFL coaching ladder. He doesn't appreciate how hard it is for African-Americans to get into the coaching realm. He doesn't like to see anybody taking shots at any African-American coach when they do something that they don't like. And as far as I'm concerned, it makes sense to a certain point. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, this article is doing more to bring that into the situation than Baker Mayfield is doing and by bringing it in it actually furthers this level of controversy in the story in the situation making it or implying that there's some racial aspect to what happens when Baker Mayfield speaks his mind in a situation you know I get it I get it on a certain level but to be honest I do find it to be disingenuous You know, as a, as a fan looking back and seeing this situation as I see it unfold, like I'm looking at Hugh Jackson. I'm looking at this guy on the sideline, a guy with literally no pride, nothing left. And in the end, still getting punked by Baker Mayfield on the field. And when the media sits back, back to parse the story, the story isn't, what it really should be about. I mean, the honest view of this story should be what a tremendous amount of improvement the Cleveland Browns have had in the last few weeks. How amazing it is that Cleveland was able to go into Cincinnati and get its first road win in how long. How amazing it is that this team's beginning to coalesce around Baker Mayfield. How the leadership has totally changed and revolutionized the organization from top to bottom. That's the story. That's the real story here. The real story is how it happened in spite of Hugh Jackson, in spite of ownership keeping Hugh Jackson into a season like this. It still happened anyways because Baker Mayfield is that good of a prospect. He's a good enough prospect that even when the coaching staff is doing things to intentionally stunt his growth, even when coaching staff won't give him first team reps when he's clearly earning them. Even when the team is falling apart, even when expectations are failing, Baker Mayfield is still able to come into the stage with literally no preparation and lead a team back to victory and instill hope inside an entire franchise that's been downtrodden for years with this kind of stuff. Years. Cleveland fans are going to get it. Cleveland gets it. We get it. We get it, Baker. We get it. We get it. We saw what happened. 
We all sat here and watched. You lead the team to victory then. We saw you struggle through as the coaching staff continued to throw roadblocks in what this team's potential would be. Now Unleash, we're witnessing something amazing. And instead of people saying, oh my goodness, this team is in the hunt. Oh my goodness, this team is 4-6-1. and one. Oh my goodness, this was a team written off for dead. And now, going into this week, there's a matchup this Sunday with the Texans in Houston. It's in Houston. This is a huge matchup. And instead of thinking about this matchup for the Browns, instead of thinking about Deshaun Watson against Baker Mayfield, which is actually a really interesting battle, interesting matchup if you think about it. Instead of thinking about that stuff, our fixation, our focus, our attention is completely on this controversy. This controversy. As a fan, I hope I've done my part to get Baker Mayfield back here. And I hope as a city, we all begin to get that Cleveland against the world mentality in our heads. The national media is going to get this wrong time and time again. They're going to want to sell papers. They're going to want to sell clicks. They're going to want to get this story out there. This guy is a famous guy. They want to get that stuff out there. They want to become kind of vultures on the story. I hope that Cleveland doesn't let it happen like that. I'm sure Baker's going to have his head in the right place. And in the end, we're going to see Sunday a situation full of energy, full of relevance, exciting as ever. I'm so excited for Sunday. A little later this uh, week, hopefully on Friday or Saturday, I'm going to break down the game against the Texans, uh, sit and break down the team's performance a little closer from the last week. And I'm going to go on. I'm going to tell you right now. I think that the Browns are going to be able to win this game this Sunday. I think they have a chance to do something amazing this Sunday. We're going to see it. I was talking to a lot of Texans fans. They believe... They would not not a single Texans fan that I spoke with said that they would trade Deshaun Watson for Baker Mayfield straight up. They love Deshaun Watson. I understand that. I get that, that every fan base can coalesce or get around a guy like that. But to me, I, I I don't think it's really any question. And I think that this Sunday you will be very, very clear on the fact that Baker Mayfield is a guy that you'd want to build your franchise around. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser with my dad, Lelonious Severin, on DVN Network. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, 
bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.